Hey gang, in this video, we're gonna talk about the A-plus exam. Hey gang, it's Ron from ITMasterKey.com, and my job is to help businesses, employees, and people like you level up in tech. So the A-plus exam is a two-part exam. If you've never heard of the A-plus, shame on you, but the A-plus is usually the first exam that people go after when they're looking to get into IT, when they're looking to get into tech, when they're looking to transition out of whatever they're doing. Nine times out of 10, they start with the A-plus. So A-plus is from a vendor called CompTIA. CompTIA is basically the most popular certification vendor out there. It's going to give you a real good foundation when it comes to everything IT and most importantly, it can land you a job. So the type of jobs you can get can be help desk technician, support technician, even a server administrator. So the good thing is with these types of certification, you're not just wasting your time, right? You're not just rocking out just to rock out. You can actually land a job. So when you actually take the exam, what you can expect is a maximum of 90 questions. Let me stop it right there because some of you guys are so bright. Some of you guys are so smart. You'll drop in the comments, I just took it yesterday and only had 72 questions. A maximum, that means the most, that means the cap, that's the most you're gonna get is 90. Now, if you're rocking out doing really good, you may get less, but the maximum is 90 questions and you'll get 90 minutes to go ahead and knock out those 90 questions. And you need a minimum, as of right now, on the first exam, you need a minimum of 675 to pass, right? So 675, on the first one, since we're talking about the first one, so I'm gonna talk about, you need a little bit of a higher score to pass on the second one. So now that you pretty much know what's gonna be in the exam, who the exam is for, and if you should take it, right now, if you've never done this with me before, what we're gonna do right now, we'll go over some questions, and then we'll go over the answers as a family, because just like on any of these exams, you gotta be super, 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 one more damn time, you gotta be really good, at troubleshooting, right? If you're not a troubleshoot, no bueno. So we're gonna go through some troubleshooting scenarios, go through some questions, go through some answers. And if you don't get the question right, no big deal. We're gonna go through it together and I'll fully explain why you messed up. Imagine you're the hero in a tech theme movie. You just received a distress call from a desperate user whose computer won't turn on. What would be your first troubleshooting step? Is it offer a piece of sage advice? Have you tried turning it off and on again? Would it be perform a magic spell? Hocus pocus, computer focus, turn on now, no more locusts. Would it be check the power supply and ensure it's properly connected to the motherboard? Or would it be grab a cup of coffee and hope the computer magically fixes itself? Now, hopefully you guys said check the power supply, right? Now, on the actual exam, just like here, make sure that you're focusing on exactly what it's asking, right? Exactly what it's asking. So don't try and get any new information or try and get anything like, okay, what would be the best thing to do right here? All right, the first thing that you would do out of this stuff would be to check the power supply, right? Now, to go a little bit deeper, checking the power supply would also include unplugging it and plugging it back in, right? So one, 
taking the power out and plugging it back into the wall Two, making sure that the power going from the actual outlet until the computer was connected. And then last but not least, seeing if there was a connection from the power supply to the motherboard, right? So if you start off with, hey, have you tried to turn it on and turn it back off? They're probably gonna get pretty upset, right? They're gonna be, get sad, they're gonna get pissed off, they may cuss you out. Now, sometimes it's just par for the job, but in this instance, I would say checking the power supply would be the best thing. So a lot of times if you have to talk a user through things, you have to think about, okay, let me try this first and then maybe I can double back. Okay, because pretty much that would be part of the troubleshooting process anyway. Hey, plug this in, make sure this is connected. Okay, try turning it on and turning it back off, right? So to kind of avoid the person getting pissed off, to kind of avoid the person sitting down, to kind of avoid you getting bad remarks, you getting a messed up survey, you getting fired, you being homeless, you being on food stamps, you begging me for money on the street corner, you need to tell them to make sure the power supply is good. Imagine you're a tech guru summoned to save the day at a small office. The employees are complaining about slow internet speeds. What's the most likely culprit causing the issue? Is it an evil internet gremlin stealing all the bandwidth for his mischievous online activities? A cursed router haunted by the ghosts of dial-up connections past? A misconfigured DNS server or a congested network? The office cat using the internet to binge watch cute kitten videos. Most likely it is going to be a congested network, right? Because the DNS, the domain name service or server is responsible for resolving IP addresses to website names or website names to IP addresses. Pretty much correlate those two things, right? So every website, YouTube, ESPN, itmatchkey.com has an IP address and the DNS servers job is to make sure that those two things interconnect and connect, right? So most likely if it's a misconfigured DNS, nothing's going to work, but it said, or, right? That's another thing. When you're on the actual exam, make sure that you're paying attention to that stuff. It didn't say, and it said, or a congested network. Now, depending on your network, depending on the router, depending on the hub, depending on how everybody's connecting, if it's too many people on a device, if it's too many people on a network, if it's too many people trying to connect at the same time, some people are going to get kicked off. Some people are going to have slower bandwidth. Some people are going to have latency. Some people aren't going to be able to connect at all, right? So for this one, I would say it is congested network. Picture yourself as the tech hero of a futuristic city. A user reports that their computer freezes randomly, causing them to lose their important work. What could be the likely cause of this problem? Is it an angry computer spirit seeking revenge for past IT support frustrations? A cybernetic virus infecting the system and wreaking havoc? Overheating components or faulty hardware such as failing hard drive or RAM, a time traveling glitch disrupting the space time continuum and freezing a computer.
So, a lot of devices, whether it's your phone, whether it's a laptop, whatever it is, have built-in safety features. One of those features is if things get too hot, if it overheats, it freezes, it stops, or it completely shuts down so it can cool down, right? So this answer would be make sure that the thing cools off and then start trying to do what you need to do. Now, if you're going for A+, if you're smart, you would try to figure out what do I need to replace? What do I need to do to make sure that this thing stays cool, right? So sometimes it may just be dusting off the fan. It may be making sure that the fan works. It may be making sure that the fan is spinning in the right direction. Because believe it or not, if you do some upgrades, if you do some uh, really cool stuff to your PC or to your laptop, you may have put the fan in the wrong way. So instead of blowing air out, it may just be leaving it right there inside of the case, right? So if you haven't noticed a trend um, on this test just yet, a lot of times it's gonna be easy or should be easy to figure out the answer, right? So the main purpose of this is to learn, right? So I'm breaking it down in a super simple way, right? Everything that's in the actual question, we're gonna break it down so we can learn, right? Now, um, We'll get more complex uh, questions, more complex um, things as we go along. But this one right here, just kind of just to hit the ground running, just so you can kind of get a feel for me. We get a feel for each other, just so you can kind of see um, how easy it is to learn something new, right? Because a lot of you guys are going to be newbies. A lot of you guys, uh, this is going to be your first time rocking out with um, a certification. So I don't want you to be scared. I want to kind of make this a little light, right? Now, I will say this. Don't take the exam lightly, though, right? Um, our students are passing the A plus in a month while there's other people that have watched this channel for years that are still uh, saying that they're going to take it. Right. So it's about taking action. Hopefully you guys take action um, after watching this video. All right. Next question. Imagine you're the tech expert in a small town plagued by mysterious error messages on all the computers. The message read non system disk or disk error. What's the most likely reason for this message to appear? Is it alien hackers taking over the town's computers for their own intergalactic agenda? A vengeful computer wizard casting a spell to confuse the unsuspecting users? The computer trying to boot from a non-bootable disk, such as a USB drive or empty CD DVD drive. The ghosts of floppy disk pass seeking revenge for them being obsolete. Number four, question number four. I want you guys to explain the reasoning in the comments below, right? So that is your job right now. I'll give you guys a couple seconds. I don't know how fast you can type, but that's it. Time is up, right? So if you try to boot from something that's non-bootable, you're going to get those messages. If the PC, if the machine, if the device can't actually boot from that device, if it doesn't find an operating system, if it's something that's non-bootable, those are the type of messages you will receive. You're working as a help desk technician and receive a call from a frantic user who spilled coffee all over their laptop. The user is panicking and you need to act fast. What should be your immediate response? 
Advise the user to turn off the laptop, unplug it, and remove the battery if possible. Assure the user that coffee is an essential part of the laptop's daily diet and everything will be fine. Grab a towel and start dabbing the laptop to prevent any further damage. Sprinkle the user, sprinkle <laughs> just the user, sprinkle some sugar and whipped cream on the laptop to make it a tasty coffee dessert. So you guys already know the answer to this one. You should turn it off, unplug it, and take out the battery if possible. If it's a laptop that you can't take out the battery, then don't worry about it. If you can't take it off or take it out, make sure that you take it out, right? And let it dry. Sometimes you can put, if it's really wet, if it's you spilled a bunch of water, a bunch of coffee on it, you may have to put it in rice, so on and so forth, but you wanna wait as long as you have to, or as long as you need to, to make sure that everything is dry completely out before you try turning the laptop back on. You're troubleshooting a computer that keeps randomly shutting down. You suspect it's an overheating issue. What should you do first? And not a fan dance party in front of the computer to cool it down. Check the fans and ensure they're functioning properly and clean out any dust or debris. Open up the computer case and start fanning it with your hands to create a breeze. Take the computer on a tropical vacation to give it a break from all the stress. So just like we talked about in one of the other questions, right? You gotta make sure that the fans are working properly. So one of the biggest enemies of a fan is dust and cobwebs and all this nasty stuff. And the second biggest thing is direction, right? You wanna make sure that the fan is blowing out of the case, out of the laptop, out of whatever you're using. And another thing is, if you got a really big PC, if you got a really big thing, you may have a couple of different fans. And those fans, if you got them positioned in the wrong space or in the wrong place, instead of blowing stuff outside, it may be blowing all the hot air, all the stuff inside the case. It may be blowing into each other and actually causing more heat, more humidity, all the stuff you don't want inside of the case. So direction and making sure things are clean, super important. Again, before we get into the next question, I wanna say, a big shout out to our sponsor, the Zero to IT Hero program. If you're looking for training, all you gotta do is follow the steps in the description. We've got a step-by-step -step process that you need to follow if you wanna get training from me and if you wanna be accepted into the Zero to IT Hero program. That is it, that is all. There is no mystery. If you wanna get training, link in the description, follow those steps, and I'll see you in class. You're setting up a new wireless network for a small office and you want to ensure maximum security. What's the best approach? Should you print out a keep out sign and plaster them all around the office? Should you use strong passwords for the wireless network, enable encryption and change the default router settings? Sacrifice a USB drive to the tech guide to open they bless your network with the greatest protection? Recruit a team of highly trained guard dogs to patrol the office and sniff out any unwanted Wi-Fi intruders.
So it's real simple. You want to make sure that you're using a strong password and using the strongest Wi-Fi encryption, right? So right now, the strongest encryption would be something called WPA2. That's technically government grade encryption, right? You want to make sure that one, you got a strong password, two, that you're using WPA2, three, do not use the default settings in your router. You want to change that stuff. You want to make sure that the distance on your router isn't too far, right? If you drive to the engineer block and you still can see your damn Wi-Fi network, something's wrong. You got to change that, right? So basically it needs to be just enough space to where you can pick it up and nobody else can pick it up, right? Now, depending on if you're in an apartment, you really got to do some different things to hide your network, to make sure that things are secured. Now, even with all the stuff that I mentioned, if somebody wants to bad enough, they can still crack your stuff. But most hackers are lazy. Most hackers uh, kind of want to go for the easiest thing first, right? So if you go ahead and uh, do those things, you will be less likely to get hacked, right? And you know, the things that used to work, FBI surveillance van, you think you're cool, you think you're clever, everybody, a, a hackers actually go after that type of stuff. If you have something try to hack me or some shit like that, uh, most likely they're gonna hack you, right? And then, believe it or not, um, sometimes, or a lot of times, networks are left open, le networks are left open by hackers, just so you can come in and try and do something funny and then they end up hacking you. Or, there's also a lot of dummies, a lot of dummies that just have their stuff completely open um, and you can hack them. So just make sure that your, um, making sure that your router is as secure as possible. All right, next up, you're troubleshooting a computer that displays a blue screen error every time it boots up. The user is frustrated and needs a fix ASAP. What's your next move? Should you start singing lullabies to the computer, hoping for a peaceful slumber? Boot the computer into safe mode and check for any recently installed drivers or software causing an issue. Google the lyrics to your favorite song and type them on the screen to provide some distraction. Hire a professional exorcist to banish the blue screen demon haunting the computer. So safe mode allows you to do some diagnostics and allows you to do some troubleshooting, right? So at safe mode, it only loads the things that it needs to load or you can look at all the other areas, right? And another thing a lot of uh, machines, a lot of devices have are restore points, restart points, whatever you're gonna call them, where you can actually restore it to a previous time that worked before, right? So maybe you uploaded a driver or you installed a driver and your computer, your device, your phone started acting completely crazy, right? You can go back to an earlier time when it worked, right? So before you install the driver, so on and so forth, you can restore your machine back to an earlier time. But the thing with safe mode allows you to do a lot of troubleshooting and only the necessary drivers load and you can kind of go through one by one to figure out what the hell is going on and also a lot uh, machines have self-diagnostics that are very good as well and kind of point out what's wrong, what driver did what, what happened, so on and so forth. You're assisting a user who is unable to print any documents. The printer is connected and powered on, but nothing comes out. What is your first move? Whisper sweet nothing to the printer. Check the printer queue to ensure the printer is selected and verify the printer drivers are up to date. Press the print button 
repeatedly over and over again until something prints. Sacrifice a rim of paper to the printer gods praying for a miracle. So believe it or not, a lot of times things are a lot simpler than you think. People are gonna be frantic. People are gonna be like, what the hell going on? I can't print. A lot of times they're printing to the wrong printer, especially when you work inside of an office, there's 10, 15 damn printers. They might be printing to the office uh, in another office. They may be printing to a printer upstairs. They may be printing to an office that's not, I mean, excuse me, printing to a printer that's not even connected anymore, right? And that's one of the first things you gotta do is one, make sure that they're connected to the correct printer. Two, make sure that they got the right permissions. Three, make sure that the damn computer is connected to the right printer. And three, A, make sure that the printer has paper, right? So make sure they're connected to the right printer, they got access to it, that it has paper, and that their printer queue is pretty much erased, right? Because if they tried 100 jobs and they keep on failing, keep on failing, just go ahead and clear that printer queue out, restart it, and see if it fails again, right? But usually, if you connect it to the right printer, got the right drivers, got everything connected correctly, that person has internet access and access to the network, because most times the printer is gonna be networked unless it's connect directly to them, and just make sure that the actual printer has paper. That's another thing. So if everything on the user side is good, then you go to the printer, it's gonna tell you if there's something wrong with it, right? It's out of paper, it's out of ink, paper jam, so on and so forth, right? So don't make things more complicated than they have to be. Hey gang, I wanna thank you for, no, you should be thanking me, shit. So anyway, I'll have a good day, and other than that, I'll see you at class.